My name is Aram. My name is Dylan. We can't tell you our last names, or even what city we are in. If we did, they could find us. And that would be the end of this show. We're sending this message so that more people can learn the truth. Maybe then, somehow, the human race can survive until the Andalites return and rescue us. Until then, we will be discussing each book in the Animorph series as I read them for the first time. And I'll be guiding this journey as I reconnect with stories I read a long time ago. Welcome to Podspeak. We have finally rounded out our cast. Yes. I don't know if you knew Axe existed to begin with. I did not. Okay. There was a lot of things that you have lied to me about in order to protect the Good. story, which is excellent. Yeah. There's like, like I said, there are weird things that are so fucking out of left field that in the middle of a book, you'll realize we're talking to robot dogs that are sapient. So it doesn't matter that I tell you that. Right? No, it does not. But if I tell you, there's a sixth anamorph. <laughs> yep, that's a kid, but it's an Andalite kid. Yeah. Or that the very first thing that Andalite does is touch one of the kids and become one of them, which is the thing I was asking about from the beginning. Yep. I'm glad you hit that, because otherwise that would have ruined that. Real quick, very, very simple book. Uh, we're going from Cassie's perspective on this one. And yeah, this is a simpler book than most of them. There's not even like the revenge plot in the beginning. No, this book is just about trying to get a particular thing done. Yeah. Basically, uh, Tobias and Cassie are hanging out one day because Cassie has turned into a squirrel so that she could uh, stake out the barn to figure out how some sort of predator keeps getting in to kill the birds. Super dumb plan. Honestly, a kind of cool plan in my opinion because like trying out the squirrel at the time where you're like, but also, you're, of course, she's trying out a squirrel morph at night because dad... Sure, right. right. So she wants to see how this predator is getting in. And she wants to turn into a thing that can just chill out. And like if a fucking bird comes at her while she's in the rafters, she can turn into a full-blown person. Right. And then you freak out the bird and everything's fine. Yeah. Tobias shows up uh, and they basically sort of mention in passing, you know, Cassie mentions having weird dreams and Tobias immediately goes, yeah, dreams about the sea and someone under the sea asking for help. And then they go like, okay, something's going on. Cool, 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 cool. I'm glad they've got there where, where, where they just accept it. Like there's no coincidences. It means something. Right. There was a chunk in the middle uh, where they, were, they do their little meeting and they talk about like, hey, there's a voice under the ocean. Uh, there's someone looking. And they almost immediately confirm that it is Andalite because some wreckage washes up on shore. And Jake sees it on the news and goes like, fuck, I was inside the ship. I saw the writing that is Andalite script. There is an alien under the water. There's a ship that crashed under the water. And Tobias and Cassie are saying they're getting these distress messages. It, it's something's going on. And they do a weird little cop out where like they want to make Cassie the special one because she's the perspective character this time. Right. 
So it's the whole Cassie's more in tune with her morphing ability and Tobias is a, a bird. So like right. they're they're the heavy air quotes most Andalite characters. So they receive this thought speak message that is supposed to only be received by Andalites and like it just feels weird. She had two missions here. One, get the Andalite kid onto the team and two dolphins because I'm telling you K Applegate has spent a lot of time Thinking about dolphins. Everybody likes dolphins. Dolphins are Everyone cool. likes dolphins. Kay Applegate really likes dolphins. This is one of the animals where it's like, you could have talked about how secretly awful it turns out dolphins are. And Applegate was like, nope. Absolutely not. They're dolphins are good. <laughs> yeah. They are toddlers who want to play and they are the good guys of the sea, yep. which is not true. So at this point, we can't mean like, there's been a couple things where I'm like, okay, we cannot 100% trust her scientific narrative on the animals and their yep. intention. But it was a fun narrative way to take yeah. it. Because who, who, who wants to play the mean, you know, destructive, torture, rape monsters, right? Yeah, dolphins are actually fucking awful. Uh, you yeah. can look on, into that on your own if you want to, but like, don't. But she'll be sad. It's it'll be sad. The other thing you could do is take the uh, the Applegate approach, which is recognize that dolphins are cute and like to play, and just ignore the rest of it. She basically made them smart dogs. And then we have the weird sort of religious aspect of the whales. We'll get to it anyway. So they yeah. have their meeting. They talk about it. They have exactly the thing that you were talking about, where they're saying like, "Oh no, there's an alien ship under the thing." And Tobias is basically abstaining from the meeting. He's like, yeah, I, I can confirm I've had these weird dreams. I agree with what Cassie is saying, but I can't say that you should go under the water because I'm a bird. Because I can't go under the water. Right. I can circle around and, you know, be and, and spot things, but that's it. And there was something to the effect of like Tobias saying like, I don't know, I, I saw it, but like, is this too weird? And one of them just goes, the bird is asking me if this mission where we're going to go find an alien ship under the water by transforming into dolphins is too weird, things have gotten away from us. Weird doesn't really fit in anymore. Nothing's going to be too weird. And this is also a book where Marco starts really sort of redeeming himself because, okay, there's an Andalite in trouble. An Andalite died to save us. We owe him this one. Right. Yeah. Marco's in. Yeah. Absolutely. Everyone, no one was really questioning this one. They all knew they had to take this mission on. So they go to the zoo, they get some dolphins, they turn into dolphins, they go underwater. Where is this town? Shut up. Where is this town where it's got a zoo that has dolphins? Are they in, like, it's got to be like San Diego or where? There's a lot of zoos that have dolphins and granted. No, there aren't. No, there are there are aquariums that have dolphins, but there's not a lot of zoos that have dolphins. Okay, well now you're splitting hairs. I mean, that's a big no. That's like so I, again, like what city could could possibly have this much? The answer is shut up. There are mountains and the sea adjacent <laughs> to each other. They were Fine. in a mountain range last book, and this book they are very specifically in salt water. Right. So it's 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 got to be somewhere like. Pacific Northwest is what makes sense. Yeah, but it's like, got to be. Even then, like hitting could the, be Maine, I suppose. But yeah, uh, but yeah. So they go to the zoo. They get some dolphins. Uh, they they realize the uh, ship is too far out, so they turn into seagulls, land on a freight uh, ship, ride that until they're closer to the 
alien ship, jump over the edge, turn into dolphins, go down. They save a whale from some sharks. We have a weird religious experience. Super weird, but also really cool. The inherent dolphin brain immediately refers to the whales as the great ones, and the, the whale refers ones. to them as the little ones, and they talk about the songs they've sung and the mothers that... And just, it, it's a whole thing. I did like it, though. I got into it. It brings across the idea that whales and dolphins are intelligent. We know this to be true. They don't, like, build fucking space stations or anything like that, but they're not unintelligent. They make decisions. They have awareness of themselves. And we're really reinforcing that. Cassie has an initial sort of hesitancy to morph into a dolphin because it's too smart. She has a moment where she compares them to the Yerks. Like, we turn into these monsters, and we have their minds in there with them, and we subjugate the animal to use its body. It's not like they took that animal. That animal right. still exists. What they are, yeah. what they have taken is the DNA of it and are recreating the DNA. So is that really another creature? Like, that's still them. The mind that they're kind of, for lack of a better word, subjugating is their mind at that point. It's almost it's almost like if you had a panic attack and managed to force it down. So it's it's a weird ethical question, but it's again points where you give Applegate credit. Like this is a children's book. You didn't need to bring up that question. Right up until the Andalite decided to touch her. And then it's like, well, who's in the Andalite's head right now? We'll skip forward a little bit then. Uh, you know, they get into the bottom. They find the airlock, they get in, they unmorph, the door opens and immediately blasted with a phaser, all of them <laughs> stunned on the ground. Yeah. They come to and there's a little fucking reedy andalite prepubescent dork going like, what's your fucking deal? Yeah, who the hell are you? Which, fair, yeah, fair. Super yeah. reasonable. A series of whatever this planet's native species is just showed up in the depths of the ocean and he's not happy with the ex with the explanation no. at all, which is what I predicted. When I said back then, when I was like, the prince took a really big effing gamble oh, giving yeah. these kids these powers because he's like, no, there's no way. The even dying, there's no way he would have done that. He just doesn't believe it. The Andalite turns out to be Axamili, a series of alien syllables that we're not gonna bother with. Yeah, Axe. He's Axe. They immediately just decide Axe, good enough. He's Elfangor's kid brother. Yeah. So, like, the moment that they see him, they're like, they start explaining, no, 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 we met this prince. His name was Elfangor. He was killed by Visser 3, and immediately, one, Visser 3 is like Voldemort. You don't fucking say that name to me. And two, uh, no, he didn't. Elfangor can't die. What do you mean he died? <laughs> so, we set up our second orphan there. Finally, someone to be sad, like Tobias. Everyone has to have a little bit of sadness, uh, yeah. <laughs> but they bring them around. They basically describe what's going on. They, they're against the Yerks. They're trying to kill them. We get a little bit more perspective on how bad the Yerks are. Yeah. Because step one is taking all of the hosts. Step two is terraforming, making our planet almost identical to their home world, which includes raising it of everything that is not necessary to feed their hosts. Yeah, They'll keep cows and enough grass to keep cows alive so that they can feed humans so that they continue having humans to ride. But that's it. And the rest of the planet will be destroyed. 
basically the entire planet becomes one big farm. Yeah. This is not even just an invasion. This is a full-blown apocalypse event. Yeah. So everyone's now very terrified. And the moment that they talk through this, uh, Axe eventually realizes like, okay, and you you seem like children. You're not supposed to be fighting. And they're like, yeah, no, we are too young to be fighting, but what's option B? And Axe but so like, is Axe. And Axe is, yeah. The reason Axe didn't die fighting was he's a fucking child and they ejected him out of the combat and then he sank. Axe immediately signs on, like, all right, Fucking children's militia. Let's fucking do this. They escape Visser 3. The Yurks, of course, also saw the Andalite wreckage yeah. wash up. So they've been searching for this. They've been very background in this book. We don't care about the Yurks today. No, they were combing the beach and then they were gone for a while. Yeah. So Visser 3 turns into a giant, terrifying aquatic monster. We find out the Taxons can swim. That's our first attack squad. And then the Dolphins murder the Taxons because it turns out that they're basically water balloons full of blood. So if you punch one, it'll just break. And then giant monster Visser chases them. They're saved by a pod of whales. That giant monster was was described several times as basically its skin was just millions of little tails. And it was such a disturbing way to describe it. It also apparently swims by sucking in water and then ejecting it. Yeah, doof, 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 in three tubes. So it could always be filling the next tube. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a very cool little mechanic to have. And they're like, oh, no, Axe immediately recognizes what he turned into. And they have the little exchange of like, yeah, I didn't recognize it immediately because the day we were talking about that in class, I wasn't really paying attention. And Cassie has a little giggle to herself because this fucking alien horse man is like, yeah, I was daydreaming in high school. <laughs> I should have been listening better, but... It is a nice moment. I wasn't convinced that it would be useful later in life, you know? Fair. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. When did you really expect this fucker to turn into a giant sea monster and chase you down? If the apocalypse happens, right, there's going to be yeah. a lot of stuff I wish I had studied. Yeah. <laughs> so they get out of there. The The whales come back and save them from the giant monster. Also awesome. Yep. I was the kid who was given like an adoption of a whale when I was seven because I asked for it, okay? I was I was a big whale kid, so I was pretty excited about this book. Hey, everybody. So adopting whales was a thing that they did in like the 80s and 90s when we were really worried about whales going extinct. That was just a thing historically that happened. You would, Yeah, you would just like pay 50 bucks yeah. a year and it would go towards a whale conservation society and they'd send you the picture of a random whale and tell you that it was your no. friend. No, 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 no. Well, okay, yeah. They, you did pick a whale, so I picked a whale. My whale was Half Moon, and they, they would send you updates. Like, we gave Half Moon their shots, and this is where Half Moon was spotted. You know, it was neat. So, uh, yeah, Aram donated some money to charity and then was lied to, and that's all that happened. <laughs> I was not. Half Moon was a very happy whale, <laughs> and as far as I know, still is. This is like buying a star, except it has actual utility. <laughs> There's a yeah. charity behind it, so it's useful. Right. No one's, like, following up on star health and giving it vitamins. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, no, they get out of that. And then, as mentioned, to make sure that Axe has a way to hide, he basically shows us the highest level morphing technique we've seen so far, which is wandering around, acquiring the DNA of all of the children, and then synthesizing them into a unique child. That is crazy. Vaguely looks like the sibling of all four of them. He starts morphing. They realize he's going to morph naked because 
Right. Of course, he doesn't have pants. They don't wear clothes. Yeah. So everyone looks away. And then as they're going, they're trying to figure out who is going to provide Axe with pants. <laughs> it's just like, Axe, which bits do you have? <laughs> right. I, I am morphing male because I am male. Okay, cool. <laughs> then Marco and Jake get him pants. Weird to think that a shape-shifting society has such strong gender binaries, but I suppose that might have been a little bit beyond a kid's book in the 90s. Is it that weird? Because, like, your gender could just be a thing that, like, you kind of experience in passing, and then it could just be, like, if I were to morph, I would morph male by default because generally perceived as male is more comfortable. But... If I'm a guy and a morph and I morph into a girl cow, I could get pregnant, right? Like, like I have all the DNA. That could effectively happen within the two hours, I suppose, right? But, Uh, I mean... I'm not sure that it could just in terms of the biological processing time for that event. Maybe it can't. Maybe it actually can in time. But you could be like a frog and probably, I mean... Possibly. Doesn't really matter. No, but the point is you are that creature fully in DNA. I would think if you had... The constant option, it was just so much in your society that you're just changing forms pretty much at will that maybe there'd be a fluidity there. Well, that's what I'm getting at is like the existence of fluidity does not necessarily mean that you don't sort of have a base like equilibrium. I may not be running around going like, I'm a man. That's highly meaningful to me. I'm very like, I don't care that much. Right. But I'm very much aware that I'm perceived as masculine and that sort of, I have a beard and I I think of myself as being slightly more masculine. Absolutely. So I would go to male as default, but I wouldn't care. Okay, here's my other question. So if he stays in kid form, he gets trapped in kid form. He can only do kid form for two hours. Yes. Last question. They can touch kids and become kids because they're just absorbing the DNA. Yep. Can one Andalite touch another Andalite and become an Andalite because does it matter if they get trapped in that form? I mean, it matters because once you're trapped in that form, you can't morph anymore. But only because you're not an Andalite. If they get trapped in Andalite form, couldn't they still morph? You're just now trapped in the other person's form as your core form. There is no good explanation for this one. This is just the rules of the game is the morphing power is something that you have, not something that you are. It doesn't get incorporated into your own DNA. So if you acquire someone else, you don't also acquire their ability to morph. It's D&D rules. You can turn into the creature, but you don't get the magical powers. Yes. Axe acquired <laughs> four Animorphs, but throughout this series from here on, he still has to return to Axe to morph into something else. Really? Yes. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. So he, I mean, it could also be that it's a time limit concern because like right. you could hypothetically, if you do still have the morphing ability of the person that you morphed into, then that has a two hour time limit and you're starting a new clock because you're turning into say a dog while you're turned into Jake. But then if right. only half an hour elapses while you're in dog form, you turn back and you're like, Oh, well I'm fine, but actually I've gone over on Jake. So I can't turn back. And then it just gets too convoluted. I would assume that when you go for your morphing license, this is right. one of those considerations that's just in there, not as like you can't, but as like it's a bad idea. It gets too messy, just don't. The other thing they did very D&D here is they totally do the uh, druid rules where if you turn into the animal and get wounded and then turn back, 
you're healed. And then if you turn back into the animal, that animal's also healed. Yeah. So it's like, as long as they have the time to switch yes. back and forth, they can heal up right away. They're functionally immortal. Yeah. Basically, yeah. And that's honestly a very, very good choice as far as I'm concerned. Uh, Agreed. It makes life way easier. They did uh, what is occasionally the worst, but in this case, like, the whole thing of, oh, they did the bit in the Avengers, right? Hey, I'm Peter Parker. Parker. I'm Doctor Strange. Oh, I didn't know we were doing superhero names. I'm Spider-Man then. Yeah, yeah. You know, that kind of shit. Axe immediately looks at them and goes, okay, who among you is your leader? Uh, and they look around and go like, well, I guess Jake's sort of technically the leader. All right, Prince Jake, I'm on your team. Please don't call me <laughs> Prince. I'm not a prince. That's not how that works. Whatever you say, Prince Jake. Yeah, I like that. And we're going to do that for another 50 books. <laughs> That's how it is. I'm generally wondering how, what did they get? Like, it's one thing to hide Tobias, right? But it's a very different thing to hide a brand new child. So I'm interested, who could only be a child for a couple hours and then has to turn back into a blue horse. So I'm curious how that's going to play out. Well, that's the thing is who's going to ask, right? Because like this kid doesn't have parents. If I'm not mistaken, like, and this is something I'm not too worried about saying, uh, Axe doesn't go to school. Right. Of course why not. Would it wouldn't he? work out. Right. And then when he just goes to the mall with them, all you say is like, yeah, this is my cousin. He doesn't go to our school. That works. But where does Axe sleep? And where does Axe live? Axe they live is still just a kid. They, they don't, Andalites don't just live in the wild naturally, do they? Yeah. Oh, they do? Why do, why do they have spaceships? You can't like have a, can't live in the forest and have spaceships. Yes, you it's can. It's got to be one or the other. No. Aram. Yeah. One, yes, they do have, like, shelters. Like, they do build shelters that, like, protect them from the rain and shit. Okay. But that whole, like, strong division between inside and outside is a social construct. Agreed. But it's also what leads you to building spaceships. Like, if you're not building houses, you're not building spaceships. That doesn't follow. Because, like, what you're trying to do when you build transportation is just build something that moves you from place to place. That doesn't necessarily require enclosure. You could build, if you build a go-kart. But it does require a city and a sense of permanency for there to be a reason that there's transport between them. If you have some form of shelter, you have a home. Like in the same way that a hawk has a home, it's just that it's a set of trees or a field. And if you have a species that is building any form of home where they have like a family, they might have belongings that are all over there. It's just that they are outside. They live in the quote unquote wilderness. So what's the drive then? I don't know. I, I, I guess I'm having trouble seeing it, but I can see what you're saying. I, I guess I'm just having trouble. The idea that house is a requisite on the path to building spaceships. City, not house so much city. City is a requisite. I don't see how you get to spaceship without a city. You're thinking about city as place where people convene. Yes. That, again, does not require inside. It does, but it does for there to be industry and for there to be restaurants and for there to be, I just don't, okay, I'd, I'd have to see an example of it because I'm having a real hard time picturing it. Simplest thing would be go camping, right? Like there'll okay. be shelters, but you usually don't like, they're not houses. You don't spend your day inside the tent, right? You could still have someone who is over there cooking food and you go to visit them in their place and they have food and you have another buddy who like chopped down a tree and you go get the wood. 
Like you have a tiny little city there, but everyone is outside. But all they're doing is making food and sleeping. That's fine. But if you're making a spaceship, you need warehouses and infrastructure and roads and all the things that they're not okay, using. So roads, not a house. Uh, warehouses are, again, uh, I know it's in the name, but it's not a house. It is a shelter. It is a thing to just protect something from the elements. And that's sort of a thing we have. It's just that their shelters are not as robust as like a four-walled solid house that separates you from the outside. We're also assuming that all the climates are like whatever climate they come from. I mean, they probably would need houses and stuff on other climates, I would imagine. But Axe mentions that like he's running around in their entire, like the dome ship, the bit that he's in is a plane. It has a little river running in it and some trees. And they're like, well, where are you just hanging out outside? So yeah, we live outside. Yeah. It's just like, that's, that's just a casual thing. We just bring a little chunk of our home world with us wherever we go for two reasons, one for comfort and two, because it pisses off the Yerks. All right. It's, it's, I'm having real trouble seeing it, but I'm working on it. Yeah, you're right. It, it's a strange idea. One one could say it is quite alien as far as a behavior goes. Fair. So this strange spacefaring species, it's very odd. I can accept that. It's alien to me, therefore, that's why it's hard to understand it. Axe just lives off in the woods, not too far away from Cassie's place, just far enough away. This is underlining like Portland Midwest, that there'd be the woods right outside the city. For the record, yes, you are right. That is not a perfect solution. And there are several times where Axe nearly gets killed by hunters looking for deer. He's walking around and occasionally sh hunters shoot at him and he gets away and they're like, well, fuck me. Because like, it's just off in the distance at dawn, they just see the shape of something deer-like. And why would you assume that's a dude? Was that blue? And there like be these like rumors of a blue deer. Which, like, would then feed into the fucking yurks and blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. But, yeah. no, they, they'll they figure out a slightly more permanent solution later. It's not a big thing or anything, but, like, they, they get something a little bit more coherent. Yeah, okay, good. Descriptions of Andalites. Because, again, this book is very nice and kind of closed. The entire point is get the Andalite. And then we're going to go from here because now, again, we don't have something where we can predict what's happening in the next book. But next book, we have a character who knows what the fuck is going on and was on a military ship to fight these people and has historical knowledge. It can't just be what York plan do the kids stumble into this week. They had to have some direction. Right. So next time we have someone who has more direction and who like occupies a really neat space in the group because as much as Cassie is the soldier, Axe is a weird space where he is an Andalite child, but also he is sort of royalty. He's the son of a prince, but a prince is like an acquired rank rather than like an inherited one. Right. But it still comes with some level of like, you're the brother of the prince. And also he's a military boy. We get sort of a fighter barbarian divide. Also, assumedly, he's got some monsters you don't have on Earth, right? Tucked away in there. Like, we don't know what he's got yet, but he's got to have something. Presumably. I, I honestly don't remember. I do remember reading some of the, like, side books where it's like they get that power, like, after several years while they're in school and they're taught to morph. So it's like... That's cool. He might have, like, the sort of training wheels morphs. I don't really remember. Oh, yeah, it would be... Like, I guess you would have to... 
like maybe there's like, okay, this is the first animal that everyone's introduced to because they've determined it's the easiest. They have like a kindergarten, a class based around it. Here's the bird. We're going to all like, we're going to talk about the bird and its environment and how it acts and how its mind is going to be. And then you're going to acquire the bird and we're all going to go one at a time. We're going to keep an eye on you and make sure you don't get too far away so you don't get distracted and lose the two hours. The first day you get to fly, you'd be so... they. But they probably start you with like, okay, here's a gopher. <laughs> You're going to dig, and once you dig a tunnel, you get a gold star. One thing that I like and one thing that Axe provides is uh, Axe has a perfect sense of time, and we're eliminating the need for clocks. Yes, We're just going to chill goodness. the fuck out. Axe knows how long it's been. I really like the fact that when they mention, oh, hey, how long have we been in morph axe's response is we've been in morph for 30 percent of the allotted time she doesn't bother inventing space-time units but also i don't use minutes which is how the andalites would have adapted to talking to people because they had to talk to various races and and explain units of time and things like that so of course you would say no we have a shared idea of what this is it's 30 percent of what we have left it's perfect I really, really like that, personally. For what the material is, and, he, and even beyond that, she's a very clever writer. Yeah. And there's little neat ideas in there that's like, oh, that would, that's a neat way to think of that. And that's a nice way to hook this whole story. There's a whole lot of her writing that is, yeah, that is how that would work. Yeah. And I, I love that. It just feels right. Okay. We're going to take a quick sidebar into uh, not spoilery, not spoiler. Uh, in that we're going to talk about how Andalites work because I find it funny. Okay, great. Andalites. You know the whole Prince Jake thing? One of the other things that comes up when Axe is talking is that Andalites don't have mouths. Right. So he's, that's how he's going to speak the entire time, is just feeling out the words. Not being used to making verbalizations and just occasionally going like, we need to walk, walk, walk there. I'm listening to audiobooks. Yeah. So that particular part was very pronounced. It's heavily written in that like, no, no, no. Axe is constantly like getting hung up on how fun it is to feel the words. You know, so, okay, I'm mixed about this because yeah. I have, I'm very, very sensitive to when a stutter or a stammer is written into a character. Yeah. And so, like, when I first heard that, my initial reaction was to pull back a lot. Yeah, it feels mocking at first. Yeah, but then it's okay. It's understandable. Like, it's, again, like, it's when there's a new doctor in Doctor Who. And he's like, oh, new teeth. This is different. He's got to feel his mouth out. Like, it makes sense. And it's also, again, a child, right? Like, right. they're all, like, fucking high-end 15, 16 Right. And honestly, if you look at the art, it looks like, like whenever I see the art, I'm like, oh, that looks like a 12-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> if we're talking about a war with a 12-year-old, 16, you're kind of like, well, okay, they're close. It creates this affectation that mimics a stutter, but at the same time is, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, I mean, you're the one who actually has to deal with this, but it feels materially different in fiction. It is because a stutter is mostly mental. Yeah. You're not getting the words out because your mouth is shaped wrong. You're not getting the words out because you can't, because you because there's something mentally blocking you. So th this isn't the same thing, which is why yeah. I was able to quickly separate it. But at, at first, yeah. I have to say I had that little kind of reaction. So 
Aram, natural consequences. Do you have a question? Because Andalites don't have fucking mouths? So the natural consequence I'd be is like, how do they eat? Their feet. Right. Right. They absorb they nutrients their feet. from the grass. Which is why they live outside. Yeah. So like when they're running, like they can choose to or not, but like they're basically muddling the grass and then constantly absorbing the nutrients that are leaked out that way. Uh, so yeah, when an, an Andalite just gallops in the field, that's eating. Which implies a lot with Andalites, frankly. However, yeah, he's turning into something with a mouth. Right. We've seen how much fun he has with words. Oh. Cinnabon is going to be a major factor in Axe's life from here on. I swear to God, the, every every social cue she picks lands you so much in the time. But like, it, yeah, it's very much the '90s. I can't tell you how much I rolled my eyes when I heard that all the dolphins were named after the cast of Friends. Right. Like they went to the back of my head. <laughs> this is such a '90s book. Of course, it's a Cinnabon. Of course, it is because yeah. malls matter yeah. in this world. Also, there was definitely a point where they were talking about a phone, and they they're like, it was a landline. They picked it up, they mm -hmm. hit the pad. Like it, I mean, that's where I was. I mean, I was raised just before that. I remember that time. Right. So it's interesting to kind of see that shown back at us through this book, especially like in a time where it's all written as default assumption. Yeah, it's kind of interesting to see because there are times where like I was I was born in ninety one, right. So, like, I was around for this, but my teenage years were entirely, like, cell phones existed. I had the internet from, like, 11 or 12 onward. When did you have your first, like, social media account? Would have been 13 or 14. That's amazing. Legitimately, it was someone who graduated a couple years ahead of me, came back to high school, and was just talking to one of our teachers. You know, did that thing where you come by and you just sort of visit. Yeah. And he was just like, hey, you know, we got the class here. You went to university. Any advice for them? And the, the advice was, if you're not on there already, get a Facebook account because it's really useful for coordinating with people if you have to, like, do a project or study or anything. Back when that's what it was. That's sort of our timeline is in grade nine, Facebook was, hey, here's this cool new and useful tool rather than here's this way that you can subvert an election. And that was back when it was Facebook EDU, right? Because I didn't get a Facebook account until it was public, which it was like when I was like 22. No, it was still .com for me. Uh, okay. Wow. I'm just old. Because I remember Facebook when I couldn't get it because I wasn't in university. I heard about Facebook, but I couldn't sign up because it was only for college kids. Yeah. That's back when I was on Friendster. <sighs> Gosh. Yeah. That's so old like, that it's past me. Yes. No, no, no one knows what oh, Friendster wait, no, my is. My first fucking social media account would have been uh, MySpace. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah, forgot about yeah, that absolutely. one because it's extinct now. It's a shame. It was the nicest one out of all of them. Like it was the friendliest one. Granted, that's, I think, a function of just no one was used to the internet yet. Like if Facebook had come first, it would have been as toxic as it is eventually. I mean, when we were on Facebook for the first time, we were all posting as if like, Aram Vartian is doing this. That's how you would post to Facebook. So there was like, if you, whenever I see my timeline go back 15 years, I, it's always like, Aram Vartian is doing this. Aram Vartian is doing this. And that's every single post. So for the children in the audience, uh, it was formatted specifically so that like your status continued on from your screen name instead of like now you have your screen name as like the title. And then below is this paragraph of text. 
So a really old Facebook post is going to look disjointed. It's always going to start like... We all did it. We were all doing that and then just liking each other's posts. And also you could poke people. You probably still can. But back but back then it was all just, this is what I'm doing right now. All text. I like that. And I'm going to poke you. And that was all it was. Yep. <laughs> so dumb. Who knew it was going to subvert the whole <laughs> entire, dumb, you mean like not just our government, but now Bolivia and yep. a whole bunch of others. Who knew Russia was going to use it to take down <laughs> countries they don't like. I mean, it's pretty amazing. And within our lifetime to see that growth. This is not yeah, not this is going to go in. But but to bring it back around, mm-hmm. this this book, this book series would not probably have been possible with the level of technology and cameras and everything we have now. They can hide because they don't have all those eyes everywhere. If there were all those eyes everywhere, they'd have been found like that. It is very much a product of its time. And like, it's so strange to think about because like, like you said, you just couldn't do, you couldn't do it anymore. Mm -mm. It just wouldn't work. Also, like, when is the last time a kid has gone from the mall to the movie theater, from the arcade to the movie theater? It just doesn't happen. Right. And like, it becomes even more difficult because now, like... Every once in a while, you have those bits of technology that are now so trivial to us that the idea that the Yerks don't have them are weird. Right. Like, okay, this book is set in the 90s, so they don't have cameras everywhere. Why aren't the Yerks setting up alien cameras? Why don't the Yerks have cameras, though? Of course, we don't have cameras because it's the 90s and we haven't completely fallen apart yet. But but why don't they have why these don't, things set yeah. up? Why don't they have drones? Why don't they have satellites? Why don't, yeah, why don't they have the technology that we would have in 20 years at least? Yeah. That's the hard thing about science fiction. You have to think about everything in the future. Like you look at old Star Trek and the, and all of the panels have buttons. No one mm-hmm. thought about a touchscreen that just changes. Like we had to have those in our hands before people went, oh, no, that's how we'll interface with things. It's really hard because I know there's a bunch of people who are reading along with us. And I kind of wonder, like, if you're Gen Z and you're reading this, is that a thing that factors in for you? Is the technology weird? Because that's something that constantly is occurring to me as I read these. The only bit of technology they've been concerned about from the York so far is phone taps. Right. Like, Marco has been very intense about, like, we do not talk about Animorphs shit on the phone. And to be fair, in that time period, in a lot of media, that's what they talked about. It was always talking about phone taps. So that would have been in the zeitgeist of everyone. Like, that's how they get you. Or your mail. Oh, yeah. It's the whole Watergate thing. Yeah. With me, it's just like, I mean, I was like 18, 19 when this technology, well, maybe 16, 17. But like, I was of at least their age, if not a couple years older. I was as old as the kids were at least when these books were set in. So this was basically what I grew up with. Like, this all makes perfect sense to me. Surprised there was about a Hot Topic reference. <laughs> there was a Claire's reference. I'm there was a Claire's there reference. Was a, yeah. I mean, like I said, it could be. she was fucking gunning for that Cinnabon endorsement, I swear to God. I'm really just waiting for Pizza Hut to come up. Right. Because I feel like that just seals the deal. Like, that's pretty sure those are the only two foods that existed in the 90s. We had a Pizza Hut. 
by us, right? Mm -hmm. It was like, it wasn't our fancy night out, but it was like our nice, just normal weekly night out, okay? Yeah. And we had it where they had the tablecloths and they had the the big, huge pitcher of Pepsi with the red cups and there was the salad bar. It was a whole thing. Like it was a sit, it was like an Applebee's level thing. Yeah. But, but it was kind of fancy, you know, for the suburbs. Back when Pizza Hut had like an actual buffet table. Oh yeah, and 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 like real social capital. Mm-hmm. If a major movie came out, Pizza Hut would get the endorsement as much as McDonald's would. Yeah. That does not happen anymore. No, no. The last one they got is when they had to team up with Taco Bell and Wendy's. I think it. I think it's Taco it's Bell, Taco Wendy's, Bell Pizza and Hut, KFC. KFC, that's what it is. It was KFC, Taco Bell, and Pizza Hut all had to team up to the like Phantom do the. Menace. Right. And it was so funny because like the dog shows up, right? And the colonel shows up. And then it was just like a delivery girl because there's no pizza at Matt's got. <laughs> it's very much starting to show the the uh, bit of the world that it lives in. We're getting that time frame really well. But otherwise, like it just accomplishes its goal very simply, very nicely. And does like just a good job of setting the mood. The only other major thing we should talk about is that Marco almost drowns. Oh, yeah. We get a little bit more about his mom there. Yeah. The fact that no one even thought about that in ahead of, you know, ahead of time with Marco was like, oh, man, someone should have been thinking about that with this poor kid. So when they're on the boat, their entire plan is we're going to ride this freighter out to the middle of the ocean and we're going to jump over the edge. We're going to morph into the dolphins while we're down there and then everything will be good. Marco gets out there and they're like, okay, Marco, you're going to go over. And he looks over and he goes like, well, what if I land wrong? What if I hit the water and I knock myself out? I'm going to drown. I'm going to drown. That's how my mom died. I'm going to go down just like her. And my dad is going to, and then they have to cut him off and be like, okay, Marco, what you're going to do is you're just going to start morphing up here. And at the time where you're basically done and you won't be able to stand up anymore because dolphins are 400 pounds and we couldn't just huck you over. You're going to stand next to the railing. You're going to start morphing and we're just going to push you. By the time you hit the water, you'll be a dolphin and it'll be fine. But he goes into a full-blown panic attack because he has been worried this entire time. And he has a conversation at some point with Cassie about the idea that, like, when they first rescue the uh, the whale, he gets his tail bitten off by a shark. And then Cassie has to come and talk to him and they have another one of those conversations where Marco, as much as he's a shithead, is very much aware of his own mortality. Yeah. In a way that like, again, because they're kids, it's excusable, but like no one is cluing into how aware that he might die, that they all might die, Marco is. Yeah. And until that happened, Cassie goes over freaking out because she's like, we did this chasing my dream. I put you in the line of fire. If you died, it would have been my fault. And Marco's saying, going, yeah, that is how it is now. Although ironically, in the end, ends up saving them because without the whales, they would never have gotten away. That's the conversation. It's just Marco going like, we, we're in a territory now where we're, we're constantly going to die. Yeah. Like, I am always afraid. Was I afraid that I was going to die? Yeah. Just like I'm afraid every time I come home that that isn't my dad. Or every time we go somewhere, I'm worried that they know who we are. Yeah. I'm always afraid. Which, honestly... They'd be dead without him, you know, as annoying as he can be. They'd be dead without him. And he's a good strategic planner. Yeah. 
like I said, this is the whole thing where a couple books in, once you get where Marco's coming from, when he first starts, it's obnoxious entirely because he doesn't have language for it. Right. But he is making jokes because he's the only one who gets the scope of what they're doing. Tobias, as far as I remember, lost his parents when he was really young. So he doesn't... Yeah. He's lived a shit life, but he doesn't know how that loss feels. Not as intensely, because he you was know? young. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's one of those things that's like a constant low-level sad as opposed to Marco, who lived a life that he deemed happy and normal, and then it was taken away. So now he is constantly afraid of dying. And also because we get a little glimpse of like when Cassie comes over, she's coming over in the morning, like in the middle of the morning on a weekday. Yeah. And when she shows up, Marco's dad is sitting in his underwear on the couch watching TV at like 11 on a Wednesday. And Marco really doesn't want her to come inside. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, this broke his dad. And so now every time he's not just afraid for his own safety, he is terrified that his dad is going to lose someone else and it will fundamentally shatter him. Right. He knows that if he was to die, that like his, his dad, dad would have dad nothing would else to hang on to. That's yeah. it. Like that is a lot. It's for a lot of assumedly 13, 14 year old kid to carry on his shoulders while he's trying to save the world. This book is the one where I sit down and I'm just I'm like, this is the point where I fully like Marco. Yeah, agreed. Before this, you're right. He sounds like a jackass, but the moment you put it in that perspective, he's actually doing pretty well. He's terrified, but he's right all of the time. And it's not smugness, it's burying the pain because how are you supposed to admit this? No, frankly, he's handling this far better than many adults I know. I think if I had to give this book any real criticism, the only thing I can say is, and I've mentioned this before, Cassie doesn't develop that much. Cassie tends to put up some dominoes, knock them down, and then be the same as she was before, you know? Our concern here was she's worried about making decisions. That's never going to go away. She's too empathetic. She's too worried about putting her friends in the line of fire. And we're going to have that issue every time Cassie is in charge. But also, it's very fair. Yeah, I'd be worried about it too. This isn't something she should grow past. I have like shooting memories of something that like I hurt someone's feelings mm -hmm. 10 years ago. And it paralyzes me for a good 30 seconds as it just overwhelms my, my sense of feeling in the now. If I was responsible for a friend dying, I can't imagine that guilt. We deal a little bit with that, but again, we're not going to ever get anywhere material on it. And right. for the immediate response in the moment is, yeah, you did nearly get me killed. It happens. We're moving on. And then the whole concern of like, is it ethical to morph something with its own intelligence? And our final end point is just, hmm, kind of. We're just going to brush the problem off. Like, Yeah, she really does exist more for the other characters than on her own. It was yeah. What we were talking about earlier, you can't have all main characters. You always have to have a couple people who are just sort of the rocks, the points of reference for everyone else. And Cassie... The group would fall apart without her. Yeah, she is one of the most necessary characters, but yep. unfortunately, and especially for being the black character, right? she is a support. She is not going to grow that much because she is already the wise old black woman. Yeah. Like she is a trope to begin with. Absolutely. But executed in a way that doesn't necessarily feel as tokenistic. That That is, of course, coming from, you know, random white boys, so... 
mileage may vary. But yeah, she feels like a person. I mean, there's a a person there, but you're right. I mean, there are definitely some tropes written into her character. Uh, let's take a look at what we got coming up. Uh, what was number five again? It's the Predator, and there's an ape on the cover. Yeah, it's the first Marco book. Ooh, okay, fun. Uh, Just in time. We actually like them now. Because, uh, like, honestly, again, with the with the audiobooks I'm listening to, if I if I had to hear that, oh, man, voice, like, doing all the narrative, like, in book two, I would have closed the book. Yeah, that, fair. Oh, this <laughs> is, okay. Sorry, I'm just, because I have the loose knowledge of read these all forever ago, I... I will pan through the uh, the full Wikipedia article and like figure out where we're actually at. Right, you're not rereading all these books. This is sort of like I'm going to do a quick aside. There are 15 episodes of Mr. Bean in total. Right, but everyone feels like they grew up watching the thousand episodes of Mr. Bean, and every once in a while you'll see a clip and be like, "Holy shit, is this a new one?" But no, it's, it, it was all there, and it was all very close together. So, like, looking at this one, this is, this book, just in terms of plot development, is fucking good shit. And Ooh. I thought it was, like, six, books. seven books right. from now, at least. Oh, fun. Okay, cool. This is, ah, I'm excited for this one. I'm excited to see what you think of this one. Oh, good. All right. Well, you know, I'm just, I'm at that point now where I'm excited to watch, to read the next one. So, I'm into it. Listen to the next one. So, I'm into it. No, this is this one is more like we're going to establish plot, you know, characters that actually need to be dealt with as opposed to like invoking Chapman over and over again just so that there's like a thing we can say and everyone knows what it is. Right, or revenge plot of the week. Yeah. Right, I got you. No one cares about Chapman. No one's that concerned about him getting saved. No, he no, he's the vice principal out of school. We had to get bigger than that at some point. No, the predator. We're we're gonna get into some stuff. All right, I will read that, and we will come back for Podspeak episode five. Thank you for joining us for Podspeak. Animorphs was written by K. A. Applegate. Our show is edited by Aram, and our theme music is composed by Kai Engel. For more information about us, ways to support the show, and to hear all of the podcasts we produce, head over to Dead Ghost Pro. And remember, the controllers are everywhere. everywhere.